All right, in this episode of the Fit for Tomorrow podcast, I'm going to do something a little different, and I'm just going to kind of talk about back pain, specifically back pain related to some type of disc herniation or discogenic low back pain. Uh, It's something I've been seeing a bunch of lately, and I think there's a few key things that we need to understand, and then some things that will help minimize fear, which should help the improvement of the pain process. So um, I just want to dive into some of the details of what discogenic low back pain is, some of the common reasons it occurs, what it looks like, feels like, um, the red flags, things that we need to be super concerned about, and then some early on strategies that you can use to help minimize um, the, the long-term effects of that discogenic low back pain. Certainly, if, if there's some nerve involvement, it's definitely a process, but there's some things that we should be able to do to help minimize that as, as best we can. So when we talk about low back pain. Um, we got spine, each of the, in between each of the, the bony, the vertebral bodies, those bony kind of pieces, there's a disc that sits in between there. Classically, you hear the disc talked about like a jelly donut outside's firm and so it's got this jelly. It's a shock absorber, creates some space. But if the disc bulges or herniates, it pushes out into that space in between the two bones. And that puts pressure, irritation, inflammation on the nerve that's exiting that little hole. Uh, and then it creates pain down the leg, right? And if we're talking about low back, we're usually talking about um, sciatica going to the back of the leg, or sometimes you get some femoral nerve stuff in the upper lumbar, certainly less common. But a lot of times we're talking about pain, you know, outside back of the leg, most commonly um, that L4, L5 or L5S1 segment is probably the most common area for low back pain. The way it happens most frequently is some type of bending or bending rotation type movement. And I think a lot of times there's probably some warning signs, like you're starting to get some hamstring tightness, your back's feeling guarded, you're waking up with a sore, stiff back, um, hamstrings are starting to feel tight. And then one day, for whatever reason, your nervous system isn't able to sequence the movement the way it's supposed to be. And we end up getting this weird little pain in the back when, when we're bending, twisting, lifting um, are, are kind of the most common ways that it happens. Typically what will happen is that disc will bulge out the back and then to one side or the other. Um, and it'll occupy that, that opening that you see in the backside there, which puts some pressure on the nerve. So when it happens, it usually feels like a real quick grab in the back. Um, sometimes it shows up the next morning. I think that's more of an inflammatory thing, more than a tissue injury thing. Uh, but usually there'll be a, a real sharp pain in the back with, with some type of bedding or twisting motion. We do have a video that shows some tests and things you can look to, to kind of see direction of preference and, and those types of things. But what, what we really want to think about then is if this happens, if we get this kind of acute lock in the low back, what are the things that we need to do to make sure this thing's able to heal as quickly as possible and we don't overreact to the injury? When it first happens, your back's going to get tight immediately. And when there's a threat to the system, whether that threat's either real or perceived, your brain's going to react to that and it's going to create a guarding sensation around the spine. And the guarding, the muscle tightness is just your brain's way of protecting that nerve. It wants to make sure that there's not further injury moving forward. So it's going to create this splinting effect that kind of locks everything up. So that's important. The downside to that splinting effect is it can alter some of the the blood flow and the inflammatories. So, you know, you got all these blood vessels, arteries, veins, lymphatic vessels, they control that fluid in and out to the area. Well, when I create a muscle tightness around there to create the brace, it blocks these soft hoses, right? These soft pipes. And so it may alter some of the blood flow dynamics around that area. Some of the circulation effects in that area that can create uh, energy deficits that can create um, 
inability to move inflammatory markers in and out, all of those types of things. Your sympathetic nervous system, the nerves in that area are also responsible for controlling some of that blood vessel dilation and constriction. Um, so this nervous system response, in addition to the muscle splint, also controls some of the blood flow dynamics in and out of there. So we, we hope that it's you know working the way it should and we get kind of a normal response. But I think a lot of times due to fear, emotional components, emotional stressors, a lot of times I think we can get an overreaction and that overreaction creates more guarding, alters the blood flow dynamics a little bit differently. Um, and so we need to do the best we can to minimize that emotional component, that fear component uh, that, that comes with back pain. And, and look, I've been there. I hurt my back deadlifting several years ago. Um, good enough that I lost strength in my foot. Um, it was bad, right? It took several months to get back from. And, but I can specifically remember, even though I've rehabbed who knows how many people's backs, I can specifically remember that thought of like, you know, what am I going to do if this doesn't go away? Right. It's miserable. I can't drive. It hurts in the morning. I'm not able to do my activities. Uh, it's limiting my ability to work. Like, what am I going to do if I don't get rid of this? And hmm, went away. I'm fine. But the fear of that is very real. Uh, and again, I come from a place of, I've seen people get better from these things a bunch of times. Um, so it's a, it's a challenging thing. And I think the, we got to do the best we can to try to um, talk ourselves into use positive self-talk, talk about things you're going to learn from this event, ways that you're going to be able to get better from this event so that you're able to minimize uh, that fear and guarding response and hopefully normalize the immune and nervous system responses as best we can. The other thing I think is really important that probably gets overlooked with, with a lot of injuries, but especially back pain is the need to keep moving. So many times you, you hurt your back and then all you want to do is lock up, right? You don't want to move. You don't want to, you just want to kind of lay in bed because um, it already feels tight and it, and it hurts to do certain things. So you don't want to continue to do them. The problem with that is this is a fluid dynamics game. When we move, it creates muscle contraction. Muscle contraction helps pump blood flow, helps pump some of those things, those passive uh, vein uh, lymphatic structures, things. It helps pump some of that fluid through the system. Well, if I'm just sitting, that fluid's just sitting. And if fluid's sitting, pain sensitizing chemicals that are in that inflammation, all those other things are also just sitting. Uh, and it's going to create more irritation long-term. So we need to try to move as much as we can. Um, I also think that part of what we experience, especially like with the disc pain thing, is the fluid sits in that opening. And so when I sit there, that space just fills with fluid, fills with inflammation. And so when I've been sitting for a while and I go to get up or the first thing in the morning when that fluid's been sitting there for a while, there's fluid occupying that space. Fluid's not compressible. So when I go to stand up and it gets compressed, it hurts. Um, so I think that's, I think that is part of this whole dynamic. Um, so we need movement to, to mobilize that fluid, right? I, I just... I think that's a key point that, that gets overlooked. Now, we need to move in a way that doesn't increase the threat or the perception of threat to the system. So if you're moving in a way that's continuing to perpetuate the pain response, well, now my brain is going to continue to protect and guard. And if that guarding experience lasts longer than it needs to, changes fluid dynamics, yada, yada, yada. So I don't want to introduce fear or threat to the system. I think that's important. But... 
I don't want to not move. So it's a relative movement strategy. Walks of a distance that don't fatigue my back out. And you are going to fatigue sooner because those muscles are spasmed, right? And they're not getting as much oxygen as they need to. Um, so you are going to fatigue sooner. We would expect that. So don't force the issue here, but finding ways to, to move. Maybe it's a, a you know recumbent bike. Maybe it's getting in a pool, walking in the water or swimming in the water, but something, right? Find some way to get your heart rate elevated without eliciting pain. A lot of MAC pain, especially discogenic pain, is also going to have a direction of preference. Now, what that means is that your back wants to stretch one way. It doesn't want to stretch the other. Most of the time, I'm going to generalize this. Most of the time, if you hurt your back bending forward, it's going to feel threatening to bend forward and it's going to feel safer to bend backwards, right? So we call that an extension. Backwards is extension. Extension direction of preference. Not all the time, but most of the time, extension is going to be the preferred direction of preference for a disc herniation. So what does that mean? We want to do things that favor extension, because if we sit, I think two things happen. One, we're flexing, we're bending forward, which is the position of threat. So our nervous system might feel more threatening. Although stretch receptors on the back of the joint say, hey, this is how we got hurt in the first place. Boom, let's tighten everything up. So I think that's part of it. The other thing I think happens when we sit, is it creates a creates an opening effect on the back. And if I create an opening effect on the backside, it feels nice for a second because it creates more space where that nerve's coming out. But if I sit for a long time and I continue to have that opening, fluid is going to occupy that space. And now I have fluid in there. When I go to stand up, it's going to be pinchy, right? So I think sitting feels good for a second. Bending forward feels good for a second, but then long-term it, it irritates the area because you just created space for fluid to get into. So if there's inflammation in fluid in that area, it's going to occupy that open area. Um, so flexion sitting are usually not the best. Um, use them as you need them to kind of take pressure off, but you don't want to spend a ton of time there because it's going to create that opening and, and uh, whether that's a fluid compression thing or a threat thing, usually long-term, it's not a great strategy. Now, if I can move the other way, maybe I can move some of that fluid out of there, right? I think the old theory was that we actually push the disc back into the middle. Mm, probably doesn't happen that way. Um, based on some of the MRI stuff that's out there, that disc can resolve, but it's probably not happening as a result of us just doing press-ups uh, or bending into extension. But I do have a suspicion we're able to maybe move some fluid out of there. And here's my theory. When you do a press up, you're, so you lay on your stomach and you press yourself up or you do a back bend, you're gonna move into extension. So you're gonna close that space. Well, the first one you do hurts almost always. So you press up and we say bump your symptoms, you press up and you start to feel it. As you start to feel it, that first one hurts, but as you keep going repeatedly, they call them repeated motions, as you keep going, it gets better. The question I have in my head is, why does it get better, right? Why does it get better as you go? And then when you get up, everything feels better. Are we actually moving fluid? So if I kind of push on it and push on it and push on it and push on it, maybe I am able to mobilize some of the fluid that's in that space out of that space. And, and that is what creates the feeling of safety. Um, the other kind of theory that I've run with a little bit is if I hurt myself bending forward, well, if I spend time in the backwards position, my brain, those stretch receptors feel safe. Now the muscles in that area can relax. If the muscles in that area relax, things are going to heal quicker. So I don't know if that's a nervous system game, a blood flow uh, fluid game, uh, or a combination of both probably, but repeated motions usually work. And it's usually repeated motion into extension. 
You just can't force these things, right? You bump them, you ease into that position of safety, into extension, um, and then there's ways to progress those exercises or progress the challenge there so that you're able to do more and more and more and more. And, and of course, at some point, you need to reintroduce flexion. Um, I don't see this much anymore, but in early in my career, I would see a lot of clients that had a disc injury and then were told never to bend. And so they avoided bending forward forever and just lost the ability to do it. Well, let's be realistic. You need to be able to bend. In the acute phase, right after that injury, it's gonna feel threatening, it's gonna feel irritating. So it's not a great strategy up front, but long-term, you can't avoid flexion forever. So we, you always need to reintroduce flexion. And I, I like to reintroduce it, I don't wanna say as quickly as I can, but early. Um, within a safe range of motion where it doesn't feel threatening, just so that you kind of maintain that mobility so that nothing gets overly protective or overly guarded from a nervous system standpoint. So depending on the severity, maybe that's four, six, eight, 12 weeks after the, the initial injury, um, you can start usually adding some flexion back as long as it's going to safe, safe range of motion. Um, so we want to keep moving. Uh, usually we're going to start with an extension direction of preference if it exists. And then we always want to reintroduce flexion as quickly as possible. The next thing that I think is kind of important, or at least to, to touch base on is nutrition with the back pain stuff with any injury. I think first and foremost, I want to make sure we're not dehydrated, right? So we want to make sure that we're increasing our fluid intakes. We're getting fluid up enough that we're in no state of dehydration. I want to make sure, right? I need fluid in and out. I certainly want to be dehydrated. I'm already dealing with, can I get the blood flowing in and out? So do not want to have a dehydration issue on board. So make sure we're getting enough fluids. Um, vitamin C, I like to increase. Vitamin C is a precursor to be able to build collagen, which is the connective tissue to uh, repair tissues in our body. So I want to make sure I have vitamin C on board. It is water soluble. You pee it out. So make sure you know, you're getting it throughout the day. Um, I usually say, you know, make sure we're getting it at least morning and night um, so that it's in our system. Our body can do the repair processes it needs. And then along that same breath, I kind of like bone collagen. Um, there's powder forms that you can get. And then maybe even better would be like a bone broth. But again, need the tools to repair the collagen. Um, if something, if tissue actually got damaged, we want to be able to repair that tissue. So that, that would be the next one. But increase your water, vitamin C, bone collagen. Nice options. I don't think they're the most important things, but I do think they're important. So we want to make sure we supplement those. Um, and then restore motion as quickly as you can, right? Fear and guarding and um, being afraid of that position isn't going to help anything long-term. Have a respect for it, learn from it. Um, you know, if there's reasons that that happened, like were you sitting a lot? Were you traveling a lot? Um, is hip mobility decreased? Is mid-back mobility decreased? Are there reasons you're putting more stress on your low back? Um, are there nutrition deficits on board? You know, address all of those things to make sure this doesn't happen again, but learn from it, figure out why it happened, address those things. Don't be super afraid of it. Because if you're super afraid of it, then you just start taking activities away. And then that creates more fear and more, uh, stress, maybe not fear, but like stress, annoyance. Um, and then before you know it, you're taking things out, right? Um, I had a client the other day talking about, oh, I'm just going to stop walking. Not a good choice, right? Like we need to be able to walk. Oh, I'm going to stop deadlifting. Maybe you're not going to deadlift the, your max effort and push 100% all the time, but you better be able to pick up 40, 50, 80 pounds, right? Of awkward objects because that's life. So we need to be able to continue to move 
you know, choose your risk reward with your exercises as, as makes sense for you uh, as a person um, when you're going to push the envelope with certain things. But I would never say avoid basic movements uh, because they're basic because you need to be able to do them. So bending forward, walking, touching your toes, picking things up off the floor. Those are important things to be able to do. Figure out the best way to do them. Don't avoid them. Right. We want to train in a safe, controlled environment where we can make good decisions. Um, but we want to make our training difficult enough that any of our normal life activities your routine and easy. So um, I do think it's important to reintroduce those things as you're able. And the as you're able part is as your nervous system feels safe. So shouldn't feel guarding, shouldn't feel pain, shouldn't get sore the next day or that evening. Um, all of those things are signs that you're maybe overcooking it a little bit, uh, but you should be able to to start to reintroduce movement, lifting off the floor, bending, all those kinds of things uh, as that heals. So those are kind of the basics with, with low back pain as far as Keep moving, try to reduce the fear guarding response as best as you can. Um, if it's if you do have a direction of preference into extension, try to avoid long periods of sitting and bending forward as best you can. Try to introduce back bending as much as you can, walking as much as you can, um, but, but be protective of that. And then add a little bit of nutrient supplement on board, um, you know, water, vitamin C, bone collagen, kind of basic stuff is, is nice uh, if you have that option. As far as red flags go, um, we need to check for strength in the foot. Can you walk on your toes? Can you walk on your heels? Can you lift your big toe off the floor? Um, knee strength's there, calf strength's there, hamstring strength's there. You're able to pick your knee up in the air, flex your hip. Those are important. Sensation or your ability to feel touch on both sides are important. Um, and then not as easy to check yourself, but reflexes uh, should be equal on both sides. So we call those things hard neuro signs, uh, which muscle strength, sensation, reflexes. If you, if any of those things are decreased on one side versus the other, that's a sign that that nerve is compressed enough that it's not working as well as it should. So it's one thing to create some inflammation and irritation in that space. Um, if you get enough compression of the nerve that the electrical signal is not getting from A to B, need to be a little more cautious, careful, right? Um, I mentioned my foot. When I hurt my back, I couldn't pick up my big toe. My strength came back. I was able to rehab it, get my strength back. No surgeries, um, no injections, none of that kind of stuff. Uh, but you got to be more diligent, right? You got to pay attention to it. You got to monitor it. You want to make sure that stuff comes back. So that's an important thing to, to look for those hard neuro signs or get to somebody who can assess those hard neuro signs. You want to know how much nerve involvement is, is there with back pain. Um, and then bigger things like loss of control, bladder, uh, bowel movement changes, constant pains, um, things that aren't improving. Those are other signs that you, you really need to make sure you see somebody, right? We need to get that checked out. Um, it would be random, but a fracture down there or some type of tumor or things, right? Super random, but those things do exist. So you want to make sure that you get some of those things checked out by a health professional if you're getting some of those hard neuro signs. Um, changes in bowel or bladder, constant pain that's not getting better, all things that you want to make sure you get checked out. But otherwise, keep moving. Try to reduce the fear and guarding as best you can. Almost everything gets better on its own. Um, see a health professional that will help assess what's going on without introducing fear, right? If somebody starts using scare tactics to try to sell you something, that's a bad sign. Um, they should be able to educate you on what's going on, give you a plan of how it's going to get better, but none of that should involve scaring you uh, to buy something. Um, that's a pet peeve of mine. If somebody does that, uh, run away. Um, if you ever see us doing that, please call us out because that is not intention. Um, 
I think some people get better by never going to the doc because they don't get that fear piece, right? I think that's something we need to be very careful of as health professionals and uh, quite honestly need to be called out if we're doing it. So we need to make sure that we're promoting positive things. We're learning from pain experiences, using pain as information um, in, in ways to help us heal and get better. So that's what we're out here trying to do. Um, if you have back pain, that's, that's, disc related um, and you have questions, make sure you let us know. Again, this is just general informative advice. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going on. I haven't assessed, can't give you specific medical advice. So this is general things. Um, if you do need advice, let us know. Um, we'll reach out to again, a medical professional that can help you figure those things out without introducing fear. That's the big key. So hope this helped. Um, if you have questions, please leave us a comment or reach out. Um, you know, as always, give us a like or subscribe. That helps. And uh, reviews always help. So if you have anything else that you, we could uh, help you out with, or you could leave us a like or a share that we appreciate it. And uh, hopefully see you on the next episode. Thanks.